Federal Communications Commission just announced a proposal to reclassify internet as a public utility. The world has been preoccupied with supply chain disruptions as well as chip shortages. Uh, you know, a year ago, I said 2023. Since then, we've seen a number of equipment supply chains move out. So our equipment coming into the fabs that we're building, that has moved out. If it wasn't clear before, the last number of years have crystallized the fact that internet access is an absolute necessity in the contemporary world. With people working from home, streaming services instead of using traditional media platforms, and vital services such as education, banking, and telemedicine being administered online, many are calling for internet access to be classed alongside power and water as a household utility. Those who do not have internet are isolated and their access to equal opportunities is at risk. Despite this explosion in demand, governments and service providers are struggling to keep up as global supply chains continue to feel the squeeze and budgetary constraints prevail. So how can service providers navigate around the supply chain crunch, cut lead times and cut costs for deployments? Open disaggregated networking may be the answer. This is episode 12 of The Critical Lowdown. Hi, I'm Alan Fagan and I manage North American sales for EPS Global. We're a value-added distributor with a focus on open networking. And we partner with the best hardware and software manufacturers to build solutions for our customers. We're seeing huge interest at the moment in open networking from service providers. And I'm delighted today to be joined by one of our customers, Metalink, and a partner of ours, IP Architects. And we're gonna to talk today about a recent project for Metalink that we all collaborated on, and that we're hope, hope will, uh, that valuable lessons can be learned from it. And with that, I'll hand over to Jeff and Nate just to t tell us a little bit about Metalink. Hi, uh, my name is Jeff Hummel. Um, with uh, been with Metalink uh, for 25 years. Um, Metalink is an internet service provider serving Northwest Ohio. Uh, our foot service footprint uh, extends into Southern Michigan and Northeast uh, Indiana as well. Um, you know, over the 25 years, we have grown uh, exponentially and. Leading up to the, the the project that we're going to be discussing here shortly, um, Nate uh, uh, Nathan Garancer, I should say, um, he, he is our uh, senior network engineer, and he's been instrumental uh, along with Vince from IP Architects in uh, uh, getting our project off the ground here and uh, working with uh, Alan and uh, the good folks from EPS. So, Nate, I'll uh, let you give a little intro. Nate Grincer with Metalink. Um, as Jeff said, I'm the senior network engineer here. Um, been on board Metalink for 16 years now. I've done about every role in the company from uh, climbing towers for our fixed wireless deployment to um, doing tech support to uh, you know deploying equipment, uh, designing networks. And um, now my role is the senior network engineer here. Thanks, Nate. And uh, Vince, uh, if you could tell us a little about yourself and a little bit about uh, IP Architects and what you guys do. Hey, yeah. Uh, thanks, Alan. Um, name is Vince Shuley. I'm a senior network architect with IP Architects. We're an independent consulting firm that specializes in uh, disaggregated solutions. And 
we don't actually sell any hardware, so we can focus on the business objectives and goals so we can help people realize their return on investment faster. Great. Thanks, Vince. So getting into the specifics around this project, guys, um, and Jeff and Nate, whichever one of you wants to take this one. Uh, initially, you know, what problems were you trying to solve? What problems were you having and, and you know, how were you trying to solve them? Well, the main impetus for the, uh, uh, the coming project or the project that we've actually been working on um, is has been the, the the exponential growth that we've we've had and the need to uh, essentially get get a, a larger uh, upstream connection to the internet for our clients and uh, and ourselves. Um, that that led to um, you know more and more of a need for larger and larger bandwidth, obviously, and uh, we. We, we partnered with a uh, a carrier in order to achieve that, and we were given a timeline, and that timeline was very short. And uh, that's where we you know we reached out to IP architects to see, okay, what 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 are the possibilities in this short amount of time? And I can let Nate uh, Nate add to that as well. Sure, I, I mean, um, kind of kind of some of the the issues we were facing, you know. Um, we hadn't really considered uh, white box at all before uh, before we started working with IP architects on this project. Um, you know, we talked to you know some of the 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 big players in the game, and you know they they put forth some designs for us, and everything came with a twelve to eighteen month wait. You know the, the hardware didn't exist, or it came with these uh, it didn't exist, and also came with these astronomical price tags um, to do what we needed to do. Okay, thanks, Nate. Yeah, I think, you know, you talked about the uh, growth that you've seen and, and the, the need for uh, additional bandwidth, Jeff. I think, you know, the last couple of years really has brought home how important broadband is, right, and broadband access with the, you know, pandemic, people working from home. What sort of impact did that have? I mean, did you see a direct impact fr from that from that on your business? Absolutely, absolutely. The within the uh, first few months of, uh, of the the country going on lockdown, uh, obviously everybody was sent home to do uh, work from home, school from home, etc. We saw a 400% increase within the first two months of lockdown in our wow. new orders. Uh, so, I mean, over the past two years, I, I, I could say that, you know, I'd be comfortable in saying we added an additional 10 to 15 gig worth of traffic uh, uh, onto our in ingress, egress points. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's um, broadband has gone, I think, from, from what would have probably been considered pre-pandemic being somewhat a luxury, you know, something nice to have. It seems like now that it's something that's absolutely essential. It's like having an electricity, right, that you've, you, you've got to have it. Absolutely. Uh, you know, in our interactions with our customers these days, um, they, they treat it just like any other public utility they would. Uh, you know, right. I, I, uh, I, I sometimes fear to say that out loud, but, you know, the probably the writings on the wall. Uh, eventually we will be that that sort of entity. But, you know, for the time being, it's just all about uh, getting the best service uh, and most reliable service out to our clients uh, that, that that are, you know, uh, providing that demand. Okay, great. So it sounds like the main drivers then for having you guys approach IP architects was uh, lead time, right? 18 months, which was not going to work, and, and then the cost. So what did that look like, Vince, when the guys from Metalink approached you? What, you know, what did you think of the issue that they had and how you could resolve it? 
Yeah, so they came and like you said, they had a pretty tight timeline of, hey, we need to get this uh, capacity upgrade in. We're trying to do this within uh, a few months. And we have this specific uh, set of protocols that we need to be able to to hit that. So we kind of went to the drawing board and said, okay, what's available that we can get and what can still, you know, deliver the services that they need um, and allow them to upgrade and achieve that that timeline. So right, uh, we knew we needed BGP, MPLS. We had to deliver layer two VPNs. And, you know, there's a wide suite of white box options that, that meet that requirement. And, uh, you know, in the service provider realm, IP Infusion with their ACNAS has a pretty feature-rich uh, deployment to satisfy all those requirements. And then, you know, you guys have um, really done a great job, you being EPS Global, done a great job of being able to deliver um, hardware to meet to meet our customers' requirements across, uh, you know, the globe. So that was kind of where we led to over to you when we said, hey, yeah, you know, this solution, you know, this set of gear, this set of OS, um, can you deliver it in time to to meet the customer's requirement? Okay. Yeah, and um, I think we engaged with you guys for the first time in uh, December of 2021. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, Jeff and Nate, but I believe we had the network deployed by the end of February, or at least part of it. Is that correct? By the end of February, the the, the switches were um, showing up at our dock, so it, it was probably about about a month longer. But okay. I, I would say, with even with working, you know, with with people being out for over Christmas, over the holidays, you know, it was it was about a a three month time to stand this network up from okay. from start to finish. Okay, so obviously that compares very favorably to the you know the legacy guys that you've been uh, talking to. Yes. Yes, we were hearing uh, lead times uh, uh, in uh, delivery times anywhere from a year to uh, all the way up to two years. Right. So, uh, you know, obviously, um, judging by that, we were able to solve the the, the lead term lead time uh, issue um, from a cost perspective. Um, I think you were able to save a lot of money as well. Were there any other things? that, you know, once you got into the open networking space, were there other things that uh, you found out that, you know, pleasant surprises or even nasty surprises if you want to talk about some of those, but but uh, hopefully, that, hopefully there was more pleasant than nasty. Um, I, I'll just, I'll, I'll throw in the, uh, the big dog here and then let Nate take it from there. But uh, the licensing, licensing is, uh, is a whole, is a different, uh, uh, a very different scope than what you might expect from the larger, uh, you know, the larger uh, uh, providers that are out there. Um, that was a pleasant surprise for me. Um, and uh, I got to say that I love the flexibility uh, of everything that we're able to to accomplish with this. And Nate, if you care to add anything. Sure. To I mean, as, as far as flexibility, I mean, with, with IP Infusion software, we're, we're running you know, the, the same software or, or slightly different variations of it across uh, three different switch models now, um, two, two different manufacturers, and it, it's all the same uh, setup. Now, we have found along the way that not necessarily every 
switch model has the exact same you know underlying uh, firmware there, there's a couple of different bugs we fit with with one of the models that the other models don't have um but one of the things that when, when we fit some of these bugs um the ipi guys have been able to turn around a patch for it and you know and, and what i what i would say record time you, you know i i i can think of some some legacy hardware we've had where we've had bugs that have been you know ongoing um for you know a year or two years or or still outstanding even um whereas whereas with these guys they're like no you know we 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 can work between the the white box switch and our software to you know figure out what's wrong and you know we can we can get that patched up in in you know pretty short order um, so that's been something that's been um refreshing to work with on um on the same hand their support has been um a lot easier to engage than i would say some of the, the legacy guys that we've worked with before where sometimes just you're, you're jumping through you know 85 levels of support hell to to get to where you need to be yeah yeah and i i think that part of that is that um you know a lesson i learned years ago was always do business with people who your business is important to and I think for IPI, someone like Metalink is a very important uh, customer. Um, it's tougher to be a really important customer for someone like a, a, like a Cisco or a Juniper or you know someone at that scale. It's uh, it, it's tough to really get 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 the answers. Um, yeah, guys, if, if you could uh, just tell me a little bit about this, you know, ultimately what the solution um, looked like that we came up with. You know, what hardware, what software. So we we were um, looking to um, increase our transport links between all of our different core sites. And so we, we ended up with a solution where um, originally we had a whole bunch of 10 gigabit uh, EWM circuits that were just lagged together and, and it was very difficult to manage. Um, so so what, we, what we landed on was using uh, primarily the Edge Core 5916 switch running IP infusion software and then building 100 gig links instead um, so that all of our core sites are now interconnected at 100 gigabits per second. Um, and then we can just, we can start dropping our, uh, whatever circuits we have at those core sites, you know, the, the 5916s, most of them end up with a few extra 100 gig ports, but then we also ended up with, uh, you know, 48, uh, 10 gigabit ports. So we can, we can add a whole bunch of 10 gigabit services or, or ports at, at 10 gigabit speed at least um to the solution and you know keep building that transport network up until you know we get to the point where you know maybe we go to 200 gigs or 400 gigs or you know whatever whatever is the the best when we when we hit that that next bump in performance yeah and uh nate or jeff if i can jump into the technical details a little bit here then you know one of the big things originally was we're running a, an ERPS ring, which could be cumbersome to manage, uh, especially as it continues to grow and you try to add new nodes. So, you know, it's like, how do we still deliver those layer two services, um, but use routing? And, you know, that's where we landed on segment routing to go with that and um, delivering EVPN or using EVPN for layer two extensions or layer two VPN so we can go and we can kind of simplify the protocol stack and make the operation and maintenance a lot easier and cleaner across uh, across the board there so that it's you know you can focus on getting to that next step 
faster because you have less time spent uh, just doing normal maintenance of kind of the older solutions, right? Of I go and I lag together a whole bunch of DWDM circuits. Now, if I just turn up another routed link and it's in place, there's there's not um, it's not this big long drawn out process. Right, and and we've actually we we've put that that uh, that scenario to the test. Um, after we built our first, uh, we, we built out a a ring that, that was um, twelve locations. Then we added two uh, two spokes to this ring that um, with the old solution would have been a whole bunch of um, work to do. And in this case, it was you know we've written the switch and we had it online you know in 10, 15 minutes. Um, it, it was just a matter of, of you know once we did the programming, powering it on. And, and so we, we were able to test that, that, um, pretty well and see that, you know, it's, it's, it's quite the time saver, um, to, to just drop another switch in somewhere, you know, route it into the same network and away you go. Um, do you have advice for other companies like that look like yourselves, uh, who are considering open networking and, and, you know, I'll open that question up for, for you as well, Vince. I mean, what advice would you give to service providers? Cause there's so many service providers that are, you know, faced with the same issues that you guys were faced with last year, right? Having, ex you know, loads more bandwidth to provide, but dealing with the, you know, the supply chain crunch and, you know, how, how are we going to do this? So what advice? I would say for me, the, the biggest takeaway is, is, um, don't be afraid to try something new. Um, you, you know, I, and Vince kind of helped us to, to, to see that, you know, just, just cause this is a, a totally different solution than, you know, you're used to, you know, you go to one company, you buy their switch, you buy their software, you buy their support, you buy all their licenses, you know, whereas with white box, it's a little bit different, but, but don't be afraid to uh, investigate that, um, solution because it, it could be, um, it could check a lot of boxes for you. I, 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 I'd uh, add to that, uh, you know, Vince and IP Architects were very instrumental in helping us jump over that hurdle. Um, you know, you, you, there's lots of preconceived notions in the industry about uh, you, you got to have this if you want to play in this arena, um, you know, for for you know, different size companies. That's that's not a that's not even a, a possibility. Right. Yeah. Um, like Nate said, uh, don't be afraid. Uh, have a look at it. You know, uh, at the very least, go out and uh, and uh, give it a test. It's affordable enough for you to pick up a couple switches and 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 go go to town. Right. Yeah, that would be you know the biggest thing that I would say too is uh, don't be afraid to look. Uh, not yeah. everybody has the problems of the tier ones, right? We're not. We're not all Lumen and Telia or Erleon, whatever they're called now, right? So that um, that set of equipment and you know the service provider that's tiered towards the uh, that's geared towards the tier ones that looks very different than what is a you know very valid and uh, robust solution for the tier twos and you know regional ISPs and um, being able to still deliver that same quality of service across, uh, deliver it out to their customers without having to go, you know, kind of through that same sort of uh, traditional experience that Nate was talking about, where you you go to the vendor, you get the support, you get the hardware, you, you have to wait. Um, and then, you know, it's a little different here, but if one switch model doesn't work, right? I can pull from a whole nother set of switch that's on the 
uh, same silicon. It's got might be a different manufacturer, but you know, there's other options of what's on the shelf, so I can still go and and get that out. So you know, I don't have to wait 18 months to deliver bandwidth. I can do it in in three to four weeks. You know, a month. You know, once once we had their core moved over, it now it's you know we're talking weeks to add new switches and uh, new routers, not um, how you know months or whatever the lead time is on insert vendor here. Yeah, I, I think that's a key thing, Vince. And I think, um, you know, Jeff and Nate, that your experience uh, really shows this, that you're not on your own. And I think that's a fear that some people have when they're entering into the, the, the open networking space, that they're on their own, right? That no one really owns this, right? Because the switch comes from somewhere, the software comes from somewhere else. You know, I have to figure this out myself, how to put all this together. That's not the case. You know, if you're working with someone like IP Architects who understands um, the landscape and understands the solutions and then can work with someone like ourselves at EPS Global, who actually has the inventory on hand, have the switches on hand, have the partnerships with the software companies, can actually deliver um, you know, in a very timely manner. You're not on your own. There's help out there and you know, we're 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 here to help. And I think that's a that's a really important message. Um it, this probably sounds like a bit of a dumb question now, having, you know, the stage that we're at in the discussion, but would you ever go back to the old way of doing things? Um, you know, we're we're still early in it. Uh, I can't say that it it wouldn't have a uh, a necessity in certain places, but you know, given the experience that we've had so far, um, I, I honestly don't don't see a reason we ever would. Um, um, you know, going going back to what you said about. Um, uh, uh, you know, not being alone in this process, the the cooperation that we've seen amongst yourselves at EPS, uh, IP uh, architects, and then uh, also uh, even the the software uh, developer and the switch manufacturer, it was just amazing to me to see. You know, you know, Nate kind of touched on it earlier. The the experience you have with the larger providers, uh, you know, maybe waiting a week or more to 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 even be addressed by their uh, their support in in these cases. We immediately had a subject matter expert uh, from the the software working directly with the uh, the hardware manufacturer, and and whenever they needed to, you know, get get particular information or whatever, Nate was able to work directly with 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 Vince, and that all took place within like days. I mean, literally days. And and you know, by the end of those days, we had a solution. So. It, yeah, it, to me, it's right. amazing. So I, you know, you know, going back on that, uh, th that would be very hard for for me to turn tail and and say, well, I want to go back to the old way. It's like, ah, no, <laughs> I've had it better now. Right, right, good. You anything to add to that, Nate? Um, not really. I have something back maybe to uh, the the previous point um, about um, working with IP Infusion. I would say that um, when they're having these these few support things, we work through with them. We're working, it's still a, a single point of contact. I don't have to contact Edgecore and say, hey, I've got this problem. And I have to contact IP Infusion and say, I have this problem. I, I, I'm working with IP Infusion and then IP Infusion takes on the task of working with the underlying hardware manufacturer. And, and so that actually, that kind of streamlines that process as well because you you don't have to make a whole bunch of different support tickets to, to get your issue addressed. Right. 
Again, and I think that really speaks to the thing, you're not on your own, right? You're not left alone dangling to figure this out. And, and I really feel, you know, from talking to customers, that is a, a you know, a, sort of a concern that they have, particularly if they've been used to the comfort blanket of, you know, like the, the Cisco um, service thing that they're, you know, paying huge amounts of money for. But, you know, there's a certain level of comfort with that. And it's, it's you know, I think the advice that you talked about earlier about not being afraid to take that first step, it's really important advice. Give it a, you know, give it a try. Um, yeah, and sorry, Alan, if I on. could uh, jump in here, you know, yep. I think one of the things we we kind of keep touching on here is uh, the idea in disaggregated networking that there's not support channels is just completely false. I mean, there's uh, there's not really it's. I'd say it's almost exactly the opposite, right? Just because it it's not bought in the initial, hey, I I bought uh, you know my service contract in one bomb. I went and I did it you know slightly differently, or you know it came from here. It, there's still that level of support and coordination that uh, Nate and Jeff have been talking about throughout this whole thing. Yeah, absolutely, and and I think the proof is um, in the experience that that, that they they've had. Um, so what's next, guys? What's next for Metalink? Ah, uh, on to bigger and better, I suppose. Um, you know, the as the uh, uh, the world of the internet and uh, service providers uh, uh, evolves into what the the new reality is. Um, Obviously, everything is going to be more. It's all about more um, for Metalink, particularly. Uh, you know, we're expanding our fiber uh, networks, and obviously, that's going to mean more, more, and bigger packages for our customers, which is going to necessitate the need for a, uh, you know, a, a big iron solution to uh, to transport all of that and get it out to the internet and uh, get that data back from the internet. Yeah, so, um, you know, thanks a lot, guys. You know, we talked at the top of this about um, hoping that there's valuable lessons to be learned from the experience. And I really think there is. I think there's so many uh, companies like yourselves out there. Um, there's so much demand for uh, open networking equipment. And we're here to help. And, you know, anyone who's listening to this who wants to find out more, please feel free to reach out to IP Architects, reach out to EPS Global, and we can help you and we can help you achieve the results that uh, Metalink have over the last number of months. So thanks again, guys. Really appreciate the time. All right. Thank you. Thanks. 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 We've covered various technologies and terms on this podcast. To our listeners, don't forget that all of the information you heard today is available on our website at epsglobal.com forward slash podcast. Until next time.